Good afternoon, my unknown friends. This is Greg Reese. You're listening to the Sunday podcast with Greg Reese. The views and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of myself. And if you find yourself triggered by them, I would suggest that you look within and ask yourself, why am I triggered by someone else's opinions? Why do I care what someone else thinks? I just made that up. Whoops, I just made that up because I, ex- I will be expressing some opinions that will probably trigger some people. Oh, well. Um, I was looking forward to today. I was looking forward to talking to all you, all my unknown friends. You know, I got a lot on my mind and I don't really have any, any known friends <laughs> uh, lately, you know, that's uh, fine. I keep busy and, you know, I got all you guys. So I have, I've heard, comp- I've heard, I think one or two complaints in the past that I, you know, make things personal, but I've heard far more comments of people who appreciate it. I think people uh, like to hear whatever, you know who you are. I'll just get into it. Not much, um, admin to cover today. I will be uh, sending this podcast out to everyone, including the the free email list. Because I think it's interesting for everyone. Um, I'm calling today's podcast the reason why this is all happening. And, uh, and this is, like I said, this is my opinion. Um, before we get into it too much, just a couple things. I have some notes here. I just wanted to mention, uh, I just did a, well, I guess I don't need to mention these. The only thing I will mention is if you have, this is a completely selfish personal thing, taking advantage of all you wonderful people. And I'm sure you guys, we're all similar like-minded folks, I imagine. And, you know, I can't watch Hollywood anymore. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. You know, I I avoid it like a cancer. Uh, I've been watching actually some old Japanese movies with no subtitles uh, just because that's what I, you know, I'd rather listen to a foreign language that I don't understand and then I can just imagine they're saying like really cool, profound, righteous things, you know, instead of Hollywood propaganda. But if you have uh, any good YouTube channel recommendations, let me know. Because I can, a lot of times I'll watch YouTube and uh, even for like research, any like good research stuff, right? Let me know because I can't find any. I just, it's like, and I, I think I've talked about this before, but. You know, and a lot of you guys probably remember how uh, YouTube used to be amazing, you know? YouTube algorithm would, would, would know exactly what you were interested in and just give you a bunch of stuff that you never knew existed and really uh, educate you. So, sorry about the phone. I'll just turn it off. So, yeah, if you got any great YouTube channels, feel free to throw them in the comments. Do I have any suggestions for you? Hmm, Let me think. You know, like I said, I've gone bone dry on it. Lately, what I've been watching is restoration, old rusty gun 
restoration videos <laughs> for whatever reason. That's because I'm just, you know, slim pickings. Japanese movies with no subtitles and uh, old rusty gun restoration videos with no sound. So, but it's all better. It's all 1,000 and 1 million times better than Hollywood crap. Speaking of which, uh, the Matthew McConaughey thing. A friend of mine just sent me a video, uh, some Twitter video of him from the White House where he's smirking while in talking about the dead victims. And people are suggesting that he's, uh, it was an accidental slip that he's laughing. And I would argue that it's on purpose. I would, I would argue that this is what an actor does. This is his job. His job is to be charming. His job is to make people like him, whether it be women or men. His job is to make you, is to be charming and to make you like him. And so this, this subtle little laugh, even though inappropriate, yes, doesn't matter. It's inappropriate that he's at the White House grandstanding and, and trying to take people's individual rights away. That's what's inappropriate. It's inappropriate that he even showed up to do that. That's what's inappropriate. Before I even heard him open his mouth, I just saw a picture of him at the White House, and right away I was, I was offended. I didn't have to hear a word out of his mouth. I knew exactly what was going on. Very inappropriate. <clears throat> so um, the smile, the little laugh is a very, yeah, that's, it's subtle, yes, and it almost looks like it was hidden. I, I would argue that that's the charm and that the, the brain-dead people that don't realize it's inappropriate for him to be there, that little smile will suck them in and charm them, put them under his spell. That's his job. He's a whore. Sorry for the harsh language, but that's what he is. He's a Hollywood whore. He does what he's told. And he's doing his job to, uh, to take away our individual freedom. So, burn Hollywood, burn. <clears throat> I was talking to, I did a radio show uh, on TNT Radio, the, I think the Christina Borgina, Borgina, I can't pronounce the name show, about school shootings. I just did that yesterday. And um, I was... I was critical of the police and then I heard and the FBI and I heard the same old, you know, well, there's not they're not all bad. I'm sick of that personally. I'm sick of the whole they're not all that bad. Cops aren't all that bad. The feds aren't all bad. OK, if that's true, where are the good ones? Why aren't they doing anything? Why aren't they at least speaking out? Why aren't they whistleblowing? I'll tell you why, because. The one thing that cops are good at is defending each other. They're really good at, getting, at having each other's backs, no matter what. That's what they're really good at. It's like, um, it's probably the biggest sin in that culture to not come to each other's defense. They're like a gang. I mean, that's the definition of fascism. Fascism is a bunch of sticks banded together to become stronger. Well, so once again, sorry for the language, but I think it's appropriate, a bunch of dicks banding together to become stronger. 
That's what fascism is. That's where the word faggot comes from. That's why they call cigarettes faggots, because it's a stick. It's a bundle of sticks in a pack. And so they're good at being fascists. They're really good at that. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I offend you. But I'm sick of this. We need to really start focusing on what's important, which is natural law. Natural law, which is the fact that our individual rights are naturally given to us by God and a government can't take them away or grant them. That's what's at risk. And everything else seems to be against that. Okay, I'm, I'm fired up. Last week I was, um, I think last week I was apologizing for being too opinionated and fired up and I was blaming it on being sick. Which, by the way, I think today marks the day that I'm officially not sick. I have a little bit of congestion, but I think I've uh, kicked it. So I can't blame it on being sick this week. I can blame it on uh, this week in the, in the complete lack of action that I'm seeing from the American people. This week, I'm going to blame my uh, piss and vinegar and anger on, on, my, um, on the fact that what I'm seeing is, is just a bunch of cowards, nothing but cowards, fat, drunk, and stupid. That's what I'm, that's what I'm angry about this week. But before I move on, I will say that uh, what I did to get better was the Dr. McCullough treatment. I basically was, if any of you guys watch the, the InfoWars live stream, then you've heard it many times. Dr. McCullough talking about uh, povidine, iodine, and uh, hydrogen peroxide, a bunch of different things that you could just spritz up your nose. And apparently... That's where the bacteria is, and it's replicating up in your nose. And then you, once you um, deal with it up there, it doesn't get past the head. It doesn't go down the throat into your body. You know, we've learned a lot about the common cold in the past two years. Because, I, I mean, I know a lot of people know this. I've talked to some people about it, and they're like, yeah, I've been doing that for years. But I never heard that. So that's what I did. I just sort of sprayed it up my nose and um, twice a day gargled with it and it never got past my head and I'm very grateful for that because it it was a rough week but uh it was not nearly as bad as as it gets when you get the you know the horrible chest cough and the whore and, and sick and all that stuff so I feel very grateful for that the other great thing was I uh quit smoking pot this week because I was sick and it's been something I've been wanting to do um for a while lately, I uh, smoke, I've been smoking, a lot. I quit smoking cigarettes, I don't know, six months ago, maybe more. And then once I quit smoking cigarettes, I just started smoking more pot. It wasn't about getting high, it was just about smoking. Anyone who has, has had a smoking habit, I'm sure will understand that. It's just, it's, it's almost a ritual. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a mental addiction. It's not even about the... Like, I haven't gone through any withdrawal. I, it's just a mental thing of wanting to do something, with, you know, wanting to do that thing, you know. 
I guess the only withdrawal I've gone through is um, sleep. I've been sleeping poorly, but that I think last night was a good sleep, so I think that's over with. I think I've kicked that. And um, that's another interesting thing. That will segue to you right now. Because uh, <clears throat> one of the reasons I've been wanting to quit is, um, is I wanted to start becoming... I wanted to uh, get into what they call dream yoga. Uh, it's a silly sounding term. But uh, you can't do it when you're smoking pot. And then I, I researched this and I found out that this is why they subscribe marijuana to PTSD. People suffering from PTSD is because a lot of people suffering from PTSD are suffering from anxiety because they're up all night having horrific nightmares, you know, reliving their experiences or just having all these traumatic nightmares and stuff. And, and apparently it's well known that smoking cannabis keeps you from REM sleep. And so it keeps you from dreaming. I always knew it kept me from dreaming, but I didn't know the specifics of it. And then the other thing I read that I never knew is apparently REM sleep is different from deep sleep. There, there are different things. And if you're, and so people, I guess, suffering from PTSD that get stuck in REM sleep and are nightmare and having nightmares, they never get to deep sleep. So they're, they're tired or they're not as rested as well. I didn't know that. I thought they were the same thing. I thought, I thought rapid eye movement and deep sleep were the same, but apparently they're not. At least from what I just read, who knows? I could have been wrong. But I would argue that if you, if you can do it, I think you need the REM sleep. I think it's natural. The reason I want it is because... Uh, I wrote about this in my book. It was, um, I've had a lot of strange experiences in my life, um, supernatural experiences, if you want to call them that. And this was probably the most. This is something I learned from Gnostic Christianity and Tibetan Buddhism. And it's basically a practice of waking yourself up in your dream. Just like meditation is about becoming completely present in your body in the in your in your waking state you know like being in your body you know all present and accounted for you know full awareness on the tasks you are doing right now which is extremely valuable you don't want to be off daydreaming you don't want to be off unless you're doing it for a specific reason for creative reasons whatever but you don't want to just be drifting off in your head it's not good especially these days it's really not good i mean that's what the whole hollywood culture is built on it's trying to get you out of your head and 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 put things in your head you don't want to do that you want full control of your mind you want to put on that full armor of god and one of the ways of doing that is being all present and accounted for. And so the dream yoga is the same thing, basically. It's, um, there are practices that are all based around the same thing. And the same thing being that we tend to dream. Hmm, I'll rephrase that. The things that we repeatedly do in our waking life eventually will appear in our dreams. And we all know that, you know, if you get a new job that involves a, a certain task that you've never done before, eventually in a few weeks, you're going to start dreaming about it. You know, it's just a normal part of the, the dream. 
And so these the practices to wake up are it's it's very interesting. They're based upon laws of physics that are different in the astral world. You can call it the the Tibetans call it the Bardos. The Tibetans believe that when you die, this is where you go before you this is like where you first go is into the Bardos before you enter another body or whatever. And they say it's the same place you go when you, when you sleep. In the Western traditions, they call it the astral realm or the astral world, the spirit world, whatever. Right now, we, are, we can call, you can call where we are now in the physical realm, the physical world, which is a lot more of a dream than we think it is. It's just a very dense, uh, gross, you know, gross meaning like the physical gross. And um, <clears throat> what are those laws? It's going to sound goofy, but, you know, it's it's in, in the physical realm. It's predictable that if you jump up in the air, you're going to you kind of know exactly how you're going to come, you know, how gravity is going to be here. We all know how gravity is going to be because we've all fallen down or jumped up before. In the astral realm, it's different. Uh, gravity is much different. You, you'll actually fly up in the air and it'll take a, you can kind of slowly float down. Uh, in the astral world, if you pull on your finger, and now everyone has the whole fart joke here, and that's good. If you do, that means you're a funny person, I think. Um, then you can actually like pull your finger out like a, la like a rubber. Like a, it'll, it's, you know, like unreal kind of thing you can't do that in the physical world where am i getting at what i'm getting at are these practices so the practices to wake up in the dream is to throughout the day repeat these things like ask yourself am i in the physical world or am i in the dream world and then jump up in the air and find out oh okay i'm in the physical world and eventually you will repeat that in the dream and if you re and the idea is is if you repeat it in the dream in your dreamy state cuz the normal dream state for pretty much all of us i think i mean i don't know cuz <laughs> is uh is is your sort of a your sleep you're dreamy it's very weird and you don't have a whole lot of control a lot of it's like you're just watching yourself you're watching it as if it's a movie and uh and you have no control over it and, and even lucid dreaming is somewhat similar, but you can actually control the movie. You can kind of make yourself go there or make yourself go there. But what, what, when you're awake in the dream, it's completely different. I did it once. I succeeded at it once. It was back in uh, 2011, 2010. And it was the most incredible, bizarre experience I've ever had. It, there's no way to describe it, really. I, I, was, I was in a dream, like a normal dream, and I was watching myself you know, dream like you normally do. And then I did one of these practices. Uh, for me, it was, um, I think it's SOL, subject, object, location. And the idea is basically to, to, to look at objects and pick them up and feel them and use your senses to touch and feel them and, and, and sort of bring yourself into the present moment. And uh, so I was in this dream and I, and I, and I, remembered like thinking like I'm, I'm supposed to do something I'm supposed to do something and then I remembered to do this thing so I leaned over and I picked up this object and as soon as my fingers touched it 
with like the intention of, you know, being present, I, I like, I mean, I don't know how to describe it. I woke up. I, I, what I mean by woke up was I was still in, I was like in a room somewhere else. I wasn't in my room. I was in a dream. You know, I was somewhere else in the dream. I was in a dream world. But as soon as I, you know, touched this object, I all of a sudden was like wide awake in that place, wherever that is. As awake as I am now, with all of my faculties that I have now, I wasn't watching it happen anymore. I was there. I was there as awake as I am now. And once again, I know <laughs> this does no justice to explain it. And, um, and it was, it was freaking unbelievable. I ran outside to test the jumping up in the air thing. I was like, I want to see if that works. And, and yeah, I, it kind of scared me. And I got overexcited and I didn't know what to do. And so I ended up waking up in my bed and it was, I overreacted in a sense. Like I, I was just, I was just in awe. It was probably the most mind blown I've ever been in my life. What I realized, and you can call me crazy, but I experienced it and I believe it. I believe now from that experience that that's a real place that you go to. I don't know. If, I don't know what it's called. I don't know what it is, but I believe it is an absolute real part of nature that all of us go to. We go there every night, and um, you're. And I think all of us are able to wake up. What the Tibetans? The Tibetans actually take roll call. You know, they take it very seriously in, in the monasteries, at least the the Tibetan, uh, you know, monks and stuff that practice this. You know, they'll, they'll plan on meeting for a class or whatever. You know, they get stuff done in there. They're not just goofing off. And they take roll call. And um, to know that, like, if you were, if you actually woke up or if you just kept dreaming and never, you know, never, like, you know, achieved the waking state in the dream, whatever you want to call it, I don't know. So why do I want to do it? Well, you can read a lot of books um, on the subject where... There's even interviews. There's a recent uh, interview Sean Stone did with a woman from the Illuminati families who apparently is now a good witch. Um, I don't know. I don't, you know, I'm a, I'm a very paranoid person. I don't really trust any strangers, but it doesn't matter what my opinions are. What The point I'm trying to make is that she claims that that's her job, that at a young age, it was, it was discovered that she had the ability to go into the spirit realm easier than others. And so she described going in there and doing something. She wouldn't say what she was doing. There's a book by, um, I think I have it right here. Uh, yeah, 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 hold. I can't find it. It doesn't matter. What a letdown, huh? Um, <clears throat> but a woman from, like, I believe the 20s. Um, ooh, it's on the tip of my tongue. doesn't matter. We all hate forgetting things, don't we? 
But anyways, uh, she wrote about going there. And it was like Harry Potter stuff, you know? And still, it's like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing there? And I used to, I make fun of it a lot. Like, it just seems super gay and stupid. Like, what are you doing? It's like stupid, like Harry Potter stuff, right? But things have gotten so hopeless lately. I'm thinking... I'm thinking that the evil ones, the dark ones, are in there doing something. And since I was able to wake up there once, I want to go back in there and see what the heck they're up to, you know? Maybe I can uh, rebuke them. You know, maybe I can go in there and just, you know, in the name of Christ, you know, get behind the Satan kind of thing, you know? Who knows? I'm getting... I'm getting uh, open to all possibilities of victory at this point because things are looking pretty grim. So, anyways, that's why I quit smoking pot. The other reason I quit smoking pot is because I am preparing for the worst. It looks like, uh, it looks like some of us are going to be spending the rest of our short lives in jail. I don't want that, and I'm not saying that to be a, um, you know, to, um, I don't know, like, I'm not giving up, but I'm not, uh, I don't get high on hopium, and I try to be a realist, and we are fighting a very serious battle right now, and not all of us are going to survive. I think think this is just going to get a lot worse. And what's going to change? The only thing that's going to, that's going to, the only, the only way we can win is if we wake up and stop it. That's it. And we have to do it quick. We have to do it like yesterday. Because the gas prices are going to keep going up and the food prices are going to keep going up. And eventually everyone's going to just start ripping apart society and that's exactly what they want. It's all part of the plan. So you can make fun of Biden all you want. You can talk about a red wave all you want, but that is just hopium. What red wave? What Republicans? We got like five good ones. Everyone else is a complete traitor. And... The election system is broken. No one is even bothering to talk about that. I mean, yeah, people are talking about it, but what are we, what's going to, how are you going to vote when your vote isn't counted? Give me a break, right? <clears throat> so what's the answer? The answer is going to be eventually they're going to have to, you know, if you look into the, uh, I, the, the revolution in Ireland, that started because of the Easter Rising, because about a hundred Irishmen were, and women, I think, were murdered in jail by the British, and and that was finally, you know, that was like that was like enough is enough to where the Irish people were finally like, all right, screw this, we're done, and then they fought back. And in our own American Revolution, it was the Boston Massacre that really, you know, made people finally fed up and be like, all right, this is enough's enough, right? And the same is happening here, but you got to ask yourself, like, when is enough going to be enough? I mean, is it not enough that they're shutting down our businesses and forcing us to stay at homes and wear masks? Is it not enough 
that they're killing us with a vaccine? Is it not enough that they're celebrating abortion and late-term abortion? Is it not enough that they're forcing your, you know, bringing kids, celebrating pedophilia? When is enough going to be enough? And I'm just, you know, I'm saying, well, maybe enough's going to be enough when some of us are locked up in jail. But that's already happened too. There's already like almost a thousand people who did nothing and they're, and they're rotting away in jail. So yeah, I'm preparing for that. How am I preparing? I, I had to figure out in my head that I'm not going to go in a blaze of glory. You know, I thought for, for years that's always been the thought. And the reason you want to go in a blaze of glory is because nobody wants to go to jail. Nobody wants to be tortured. Nobody wants to be a prisoner of, of, of evil forces. But glowing out in a blaze of glory is a selfish thing, and it's not going to help the cause. It's just going to—it it gives them an opportunity to just call you like a violent, crazy person. So if it comes to the point where they start arresting more of us, and they will, that's exactly what this whole January 6th thing is. They're actually saying it out loud. That's going to happen. And I don't see anyone pushing back. I don't see any resistance. I see, what I see is I see a lot of people making memes. I see people cracking jokes about it. And I see people complaining about it. That's what I see. And what is that going to do? Absolutely nothing. I mean, I suppose it might wake more people up, but not the kind of waking up that we need. I mean, we need a real awake. We need people to be, to realize that this matters, you know? And, you know, if you saw my last video, you could probably see the, uh, excuse me for that. If you saw my last video, you probably saw, you know, the anger in there. You know? I even thought maybe it's not accurate. I, I, I say most of us have become fat, drunk, and stupid. And I said most of us are cowards and most of us are... And that might not be true. But sorry, not sorry. I don't... I mean, it's like... Uh, if calling everyone losers and fat drunk and stupid maybe that'll you know maybe that'll motivate someone to prove otherwise i don't know but yeah people need to wake up people need to come together people need to organize people need to figure out how they're going to control their own destiny and it's not about us at this point you know it's really sad i talk to some people um old friends and stuff who are like just ready to die now oh well I'm prepared as long as, you know, I'm good with God and all that. That's not the way, that, that is not righteous. What about our children or grandchildren? And even if you don't have kids, so what? You don't come into this incredible place and then not act as stewards. That's the whole point, is to be responsible, caring humans who want to leave this place good for the next generation, for the future, so that, so that we don't hand it over to the future generation as a total dystopian nightmare, you know? The idea is to hand over something better, not worse. It's real simple stuff. And I, it's really sad. 
as I'm sure a lot, most of you agree, to see what's happening right now. It's really, really sad. So, you know, I think I'm doing what a lot of people are doing in my position is uh, just uh, emotionally and spiritually preparing for what inevitably seems to be coming next, you know? They're not going to, they're not going to let the information war keep going the way it is. And they're obviously setting a stage to take care of that and they got they it does seem like they got their 30 percent of the brainwashed masses completely cheering it on and all for it you know okay that was like a 30 minute rant to finally get to the whole point of what i was going to talk about today so uh i hope you enjoyed it but um, the reason why this is all happening, that's for the title. I read, um, I've been reading some Russian Christian Orthodox. Harrison Smith turned me on to it, written by a father, Spiridon Bailey. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Spiridon, Spiridon Bailey, S-P-Y-R-I-D-O-N. Bailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y. And he is a Russian Orthodox father or pastor or priest, I don't know what they call him, and, uh, in the UK. And um, I recommend it, man. It's really good stuff. It's, it's, he's got a book. I got two books. I got a book called The UFO Deception, which I'm really excited about. And I got one that I started already called Orthodoxy in the Kingdom of Satan. And now they're saying it out in the open. Now they're saying Christianity is the problem. And, and I, believe, I believe that is the goal. The ultimate goal of all of this is a one-world government. But in order to have a one-world government, you have to get rid of Christianity. Now, I guess this is why in the beginning of the podcast, I was saying you might be triggered because of opinions because you might not be a Christian and that's fine. And in my opinion, one of the beautiful things about Christianity is you don't have to be, you know, freedom, the freedom of religion, in my opinion, is a Christian ideal. I don't know if ideal is the right word, word but I think you know what I mean. A person should be allowed, as long as you're not hurting anyone else, as long as you're not treading upon another person's rights or life, a person should be allowed to pursue their heart, pursue their dream, whatever religion that is. There's room for all religions. Now, this leads me to the whole thing of division. We're so divided. Divide and conquer. Boy, they, they are good at that. We are all divided. And that includes even Christians or people who identify as Christians. You're, you're constantly seeing, you know, people who identify as Christians accusing other people of not being Christians or saying that 
everyone has to be Christian. Everyone has to believe in exactly what I believe or what my pastor said or the way I interpret the Bible to mean or, or, or you're not Christian, <laughs> you know? Like that's helping anything. To me, my faith is personal. It's none of your business. It's no one's business. It's between me and God. The only reason I talk about it is in a really a political sense, a social sense. We live in a society. The Western world was built upon, uh, whether you like it or not, the entire world we live in is built upon the teachings of Christ. That's why, you know, it's what year is it? It's 2022. What is that all marked upon it's marked upon the life of jesus christ so like it or not you are living in a world built upon and inspired from the teachings of jesus christ and why is that important because christianity is the only religion that fights evil you know, in the Bible, uh, Jesus Christ told his disciples to get ready for war. They're coming after you because you're Christians. They're going to come after you. And so he was like, you know, have, have food, have a knapsack, and have a sword. And be ready. Everyone talks about the uh, flipping of the tables and the, the money changers. Yeah. It's about stewarding. It's about being a good shepherd. It's about looking out for your brothers and your sisters and your fellow man. For everyone. It's about looking out for everyone. And that's the thing. So I'm not putting down other religions. Like I said, it's your business. And, and, and I'm not talking about my personal faith. I'm talking about government, really. I'm talking about society. I'm talking about the benefits of a Christian base. I mean... <laughs> Look at what, I mean, we can look at the other religions and I'm not, you know, you couldn't have a society, a world society based on um, Judaism unless you're a Jew because Judaism is pretty exclusive. You kind of have to be a Jew. And, and if you're not, you're a Goyim and the rules don't apply. It's all different, there are different camps. It's very exclusive. Same with Islam. Islam is ex not only exclusive, but the Quran teaches you to kill <laughs> and subjugate anyone who isn't in Islam. So that's not, that's not a viable solution. Buddhism you can't have because Buddhism is completely pacifistic. There is no, in Buddhism, what do you do if evil crops up? You basically just find your peace with it and let it walk over you. And so in a world where evil is a real thing, Christianity has an incredible value. And that's why everything that's happening now is built upon getting rid of Christianity. So I'm going to read from this book. Now, he's talking in this book about, a lot of you have probably heard this. He's talking about Alice Bailey's 10-point plan to usher in a new world order. Now, if you go online, a lot of people debunk this. There's no evidence either way, from what I can tell. And if you, and if you 
see any evidence, put it in the comments. But from what I can tell, and I've heard, I've heard this, this goes back though. But I found no evidence that she wrote this. In fact, I don't think, I don't think anyone really claims that she wrote it. I think people say that it's based on her teachings of the Lucifer Trust, which is a a big component of the United Nations. That we do know. They changed their name. Originally, it was the Lucifer Trust. And then for obvious reasons, they changed the name to the Lucius Trust because they didn't want people to, you know, think that they were all about anti-Christianity. <laughs> uh, and it is well hidden. You know, there's gonna, you're going to go online. You're going to, f- some of you might be uh, fans of the Lucius Trust and, you're, and you might be arguing that I have it all wrong and no, people just misunderstand it and blah, 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 blah. But no, her teachings do are anti-Christian. That is very clear. Um, she, her history is before she discovered the occult teachings of Madame Blavatsky, she was married to a Episcopalian or some Christian minister who was very abusive to her. And so as a result of that experience, she decided that Christianity was wrong. And I think this is very common. Uh, when I meet people who who think that Christianity is horrible, it's inevitably because of a personal experience they had with someone who claimed to be a Christian, you know? And that's what's so stupid about it. What is Christianity? I can tell you right now, it's it's simple enough that a child can understand it. It's to try to live your life in a way that Jesus Christ, it's to model your life after Jesus Christ. Christ appeared as a man, why? So that we can relate to him so that we could understand, oh, here's an example of how we can live to where we can all get along and we can actually live fruitful lives in peace and happiness. It's that simple. And if you think it's more complicated, then, you know, good luck to you. It's about love. It's about brotherly love. That's what it's about. Because, you know, the Old Testament was all very brutal. There wasn't a whole lot of love in the Old Testament. And that's the New Testament. The new way is, is, is our salvation through love. It doesn't have to be brutal anymore. It doesn't have to be so harsh. We can just learn. And, and I would argue it's because we've evolved. We are constantly growing and we are constantly evolving. And uh, 2,000 years ago or so, there was a huge leap in our evolution. And you can call that leap brotherly love. That's just my opinion. I think it's more than my opinion, I think. I think that's maybe a very oversimplistic way of, of looking at it, but I like, I like simplicity. So anyways, <clears throat> it's very common you're going to find anti-Christian people or people who had a personal experience with some horrible person who claimed to be a Christian. And they exist all over the place. I grew up in a Catholic church. They claimed to be Christian. In that church, three of the priests were all uh, hidden away later on because they were molesting the altar boys. That's not very nice. And, the, uh, and they were drunk all the time. I remember that. They were just drunk, and, and the nuns were physically abusive. Not very nice. When I was with my first wife, I went to a Christian church that she belonged to that was Satanist, like an underground Satanist church hiding as Christian. That's a very common thing. You're not, you're going to find that's very common in America. 
And what I'm about to read, I think, is one of the reasons why that is. So, so my point being is, um, well, that's how a lot of people get turned off by Christianity. And I believe it's by design. So anyways, this um, Alice Bailey 10-point plan for the United Nations, you might go online and you might find that a lot of people are debunking this and, and whatever. But the fact is, is, it has been around for a long time and it makes sense. And I would say this is exactly what's happening. Even if it is made up, this is what's happening. Mm. All right. So I'm going to read from the book a little bit. What we do know about Alice Bailey is she founded, she basically was the main founder of the New Age movement as it is today, which started off as the Lucifer Trust, changed to the Lucis Trust, and really popularized New Age and brought it into pop culture about 100 years ago. The first point was to have God and prayer, God and prayer to him removed from all schools, which has already happened in the USA. She declared that the aim of this was to ensure that children are fired from the bondage, are freed from the bondage of Christian culture. The purpose is to make faith in God a secondary matter, not something worthy of attention in a place of learning. That was the first point. That's already happened in America. Second point is to reduce parental authority over children. The aim here, she admitted, is to break the communication between parent and child. Bailey recognized that the Christian faith is primarily passed from one generation to the next through the family, and that to end the former, the latter must be attacked. And we obviously see that happening in many ways. It's, and it, it's having a lot of success. Bailey's third point was the necessity to destroy the traditional Christian family structure. She believed the traditional forms of family were oppressive, but also formed the foundation for nations, which it does. And that's a good thing. It should be all based upon the family. This is me interjecting. She believed that by liberating people from families, we will also see the destruction of nations. And that was her goal. Whether this 10-point list can be attributed to her, she was very clear that, that her goal was to have a one-world government and a one-world religion. In order to, to achieve this goal, Bailey identified the need to promote sexual promiscuity as a norm through the media. And that's obviously been happening. The fourth of Bailey's points was to make abortion available to all. She argued that abortion eth uh, clinics should be built in health clinics established in schools to advise children about how to access these services. <clears throat> Bailey understood that this was necessary if young, people, if young people were to be encouraged to live promised promiscuous lifestyles. Once more, she believed that Christian attitudes to abortion were an infringement on people's rights and oppressive. And oppressive. Point five was free people from the concept of marriage as a commitment for life. 
To this end, Bailey promoted easy and quick divorces, which she knew would help undermine the value and meaning of marriage. And that's been happening as well. Bailey's sixth point was the establishment of homosexuality as an, as an alternative lifestyle. Once more, rejecting Christian, Christian morality as oppressive, she said that people should be free to have sex with whoever they wish, so long as it is consensual. She believed that this extended to incestuous and adulterous relationships and described how this could only be achieved if it were done under the language of tolerance and acceptance with an eventual goal of destroying gender distinction. Sound familiar? The seventh point in Bailey's plan was the debasement of art. She described the arts as a means of changing culture and understood that they could be used to desensitize people and to destroy the sense of what is unacceptable in, in society. And she also understood that traditional art can lead people to a sense of the spiritual. Her eighth point was to alter people's consciousness through various forms of media. She wanted the normalization of hedonism that would then overcome the old social norms and so enable the establishment of new ways of living and being. The ninth point was to establish a worldwide interfaith movement. Through this, Bailey believed it was possible to break down the perception of Christianity as being something unique or special. Once more, the language of tolerance would enable all religions to be given equal standing, particularly in the minds of children, creating the foundations of a single world religion. And we see this everywhere in America. They have a satanic temple in Oklahoma, you know, and they're saying, oh, this is just as equal as it's equal to Christianity, you know, freedom of religion and all that stuff. And we see it happening. Uh, well, here, I'll keep reading. In his January 2017 Christmas address to the nation, President Putin identified one of the failings of the West as being a pluralism that permits Satanism to be given equal standing to Christianity because of a political correct correctness that demands all beliefs to be treated with equal validity, which was in exactly what Bailey's intention was. And her final point was that these nine points should not only be made law by governments, but that they should be approved by Christian bodies. She said that the goal was to get churches to change their doctrines, but that this could only be achieved through these nine points. Throughout her program, the enemy is never religion per se. It is not extremist groups who slaughter the innocent. The enemy is Christianity. And so, you know, like I said, I was actually, when I read this the other day in this book, and I'll tell you the name again in case you want to write it down. I'm loving it. It's a great book. Orthodoxy and the Kingdom of Satan by Father Spiridon Bailey.
and I was thinking about making my next report on this, so I started doing my research, and I found that there does not seem to be a clear source that this is um, something that she wrote or that the UN is basing their plan on this. However, the UN does have a meditation room. The closest thing that the, the UN has to a spiritual chamber is a meditation room that is, that is there from her trust, the Lucius Trust. And um, the Lucius Trust is a big part of the United Nations. That we do know. And these, these uh, 10 points are based on her many books and writings and teachings. But I ask you, is this not all happening? Every single one of these 10 are they all not happening? And does this not explain what this whole gender-bending thing is? It's to destroy the family. And now I ask if you're not a Christian, or if you're a Christian who thinks that I'm going to hell because I'm not you know, the, the type of Christian that you think I ought to be, then I ask you all, like, is this not of a value? Like just the simple idea of brotherly love, the simple idea of being, allowing yourself to be a human. And what does that mean? It means to procreate. It means to reproduce. It means to be fruitful and multiply. That's what all animals want to do. And we are part animal. You can deny that all you want, but we are part animal. The idea is to not be a complete animal. The idea is to have enough of a spiritual side that you love and respect one another and that we can actually become something higher and more righteous than just an animal. But you cannot deny the animal desire, which is the same desire no matter what species you are. The animal desire is to reproduce. That's how you win the game. Oh, here's a YouTube channel. Um, <clears throat> I will recommend. Let me find it here really quick. Speaking of which. Uh, since I asked you for your suggestions, I will, I will give you mine. Uh, one is active self-protection. That's a great channel, but that's not the one I was thinking of. The one I was thinking of is Tier Zoo, T-I-E-R-Z-O-O, Tier Zoo. Pretty good channel. Tier Zoo goes over different animals, compares them to different animals. It's pretty fun stuff. And Tier Zoo takes a sort of a standpoint as if it's a game, as if we're living in a video game or something. And I, and I like that. I think we're living in a game. I think, I, like to, I think it's a healthy attitude to see life as a game. That way you don't get too hung up and don't take things too seriously. And you do want to win the game. And you want to pay attention and, uh, and be present in a game. So according to Tier Zoo, the, the way to win the game for every species of the animal kingdom is the same. You reproduce. That's, the, that's how you win the game. You survive long enough to reproduce. It's really that simple. <clears throat> and so how do you do that in a, in a world of brotherly love, in a Christian ethos? 
with brotherly love? Well, you do it through marriage. You do it by protecting your innocent children until they're grown up and old enough to kick out of the nest and then they can go off and, and, and survive in the, in the jungle themselves, you know? You rear up children in a healthy way and make them strong. And that's all we're talking about. And just like this Alice Bailey says, that is why we have the nation states because everything is built upon a family because it's all built upon a family. So what does that mean? It means it has to do with location. Oh, really? It has to do with family. But where is your family? Your family lives somewhere. Your family has a, a home, a nest. And then ideally your family... Or not, not ideally, just naturally, your family is going to live amongst other families that have similar ideals. Those are going to form communities. Those communities are going to, you know, form, a, you know, larger governments and eventually the nation. Now, you could argue nations are too big, and I would agree with that. I think we're better off with small government, small communities and all that. Well, Whatever. But you can't have a one-world government unless you destroy all this stuff. You can't have this one-world government of control over everyone's lives from, you know, another continent with people beholden to family values, you know, and human values. You have to destroy all that. That's exactly what they're doing. That's what this is all about. And once they started in America, I know not all of you are, are, are in America, but once they started talking about this in America, which was, I think, a week or two ago, it was the first time I really started hearing it, where they're actually coming out and they're saying uh, Christianity is the problem. Uh, that's when I realized I might be going to jail for the rest of my life, you know. I realized this is real serious and they're, they're coming after us because here's why I say that. is because not everyone's Christian and a lot of people don't like Christians. Even, I think, decent people. Whatever. Because, like I said, they might have a relative that they grew up with who said, you're going to hell. And they got so butthurt that they decided that all Christians are bad. Or worse, like Alice Bailey, maybe someone was in an abusive relationship with someone who claimed to be Christian. You know, if you could be a, a horrible, rotten, evil person and spout off Bible passages calling yourself a Christian, and you can convince people around you that that's what Christianity is, you know? It happens all the time. And so if they start coming out in the open and saying that that is their goal is just, we just want to get rid of Christianity. That's it. The Christians are the problem. What are we going to see? We're going to see people just doing more nothing because the non-Christians are going to be like, oh, cool. They're, they don't care about me. I'll be, I'll be safe if I just keep my mouth shut and let them go after the Christians. And what are the Christians going to do? Probably nothing because we're so busy fighting each other. We're so busy putting our noses up in the air and acting like we've got it figured out and you guys are dumb. We're going to heaven, you're going to hell. We're all a bunch of idiots. The only way we get out of this is when we figure out that we're stupid. <laughs> we get a little humility. We humble ourselves 
and we come together as one family of humans. And if you're really Christian, that means you're going to open your arms to everyone else as well. As long as they're not evil, you don't open your arms to evil. I'm not saying open your arms to the, the pedophiles and the, and the psychopaths and the Democrats and the Republicans. <laughs> but you open your arms to, to, to decent folks who want a de- humans, humans who want a human world, brotherly love. And I don't see that happening. I really don't. And I'm not trying to be a pessimist. But I was talking to a friend earlier. I've been talking to a few, a few people I know about this in the past week, the past few days especially. And I mean, I'm not the smartest book in the bunch, but I'm smart enough to see what's going on. I'm smart enough to know that people aren't, that the only way this changes is when the people have had enough. The enemy knows exactly what they're doing. And they're trying to avoid that, they're trying to avoid that, the abrupt awakening, the awakening that finally, uh, you know, triggers us into a survival mode reaction, which is really what we need. That's what we need. And so they're just trying to avoid that. They're trying to push us to the point to where everyone gets fed up, not because they care about future generations, not because of any righteous reason, not because of any reason of love, but just out of pure animal selfishness. I'm starving. I'm hungry. I'm poor. I'm now angry and I'm going to start burning down society. That's what they're trying to do. And when that happens, they've won. And that, that looks like it's going to happen. Now, I guess, you know, everyone says we win in the end and I'll buy that, but that doesn't mean we, you know, that means like whoever's around when that happens and the way things are looking now, that's probably a thousand years from now. You know, you can't get to the golden age without going through the dark ages at this point. That's how it seems, right? Because it doesn't seem like we're that enlightened to where we can avoid the dark ages. The dark ages is what's going to finally inspire us to say enough's enough. And um, it's really not that dark yet. It's going to be. But it isn't. Like, we might understand how dark it is. But, you know, I go to the... Every day I go to the pool at my apartment complex and I lay out in the sun for about 30, 40 minutes to get my vitamin D. That's one of my daily health routines. And when I'm there, I can't help but eavesdrop. There's a lot of, a lot of people at the pool every day, a lot of my neighbors, and I'll just listen into the conversation and see what people are talking about. And it's really only been in the past few days where I've heard people talking about like government and stuff. And now, and what they're, all they're really talking about is gas prices, but they're starting to talk about gas prices. And that tells me that the average person is just now only waking up to the fact that they're hurting at the pump. And that means to me that that, that, that all the, that, that the very best, they're going to be like, oh, well, maybe we should 
vote some vote differently in 2024 <laughs> right how bad is it going to be by then it's not going to take long folks we're not going to get to the, the the november elections oh you know i'm moving this november i think i mentioned that side note if you're paying attention if any of you know anyone from clearwater let me know in the comments what you think of clearwater that's kind of where i'm looking at moving i think i think that's my next spot it's i, I it's too expensive in naples i can't afford it here so I just want to be uh, somewhere with reason. I want to stay in Florida. I want reasonable folks. Uh, so I don't know. Clearwater is what I'm looking at. But the reason I bring that up is because like I'm moving in November. I, I don't even I'll be shocked if I ever end up packing my things and moving. Things are going so quickly. I would be I would not be surprised if, you know, a lot of us are in jail by then. Things are going very quickly. I mean, uh, they're, uh, you know, late night television is, is, is celebrating locking up Republicans. Not that I'm a Republican, but, you know, in the eyes of the dumbed down masses, I'm a Republican. In the, in the eyes of the dumbed down masses, anyone speaking out against this is a Republican and a Trump supporter. Whether you are or you're not, doesn't matter how you feel about that or not, either way. It's like the new, the new demon, the new bad guy. So, I mean, that's kind of it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up. I don't, I don't want to leave it on such a negative note like that. But here's the thing. I don't think this is a negative note. This is reality. And the sooner we figure this out, and I'm sure like you guys have all figured this out. I don't know. Maybe, you, maybe, maybe a lot of you disagree with me. Maybe a lot of you think I'm overreacting. Maybe a lot of you think that you know, oh, Greg, it ain't that bad. You know, hang in there. I am hanging in there. Don't worry about that. I'm fine. In fact, I mean, you know, I might be, I'm not suggesting I'm anything important when I say that I might be spending the rest of my life in jail. I'm just saying they're probably going to start locking up dissidents and I am a dissident and I won't stop being a dissident and I am pretty much out there in the front whether I like it or not it doesn't matter that's where I am and I mean anyone all of my coworkers, for we're all out there in the open we're right up there in the front lines of the information war we're all out in the open so we're definitely targets that's all I'm saying and I'm just saying uh, realistically I think everyone in my position are starting to feel that way and no one's, who's coming to save us? You tell me. I, I think the only one that's going to save us is us. And, and like, I'll, I don't want to be a broken record, but the only way we're ever going to save ourselves is if we have enough. And apparently we haven't had enough yet. And I don't know what that's going to be. So. So here's how I'll end it on a positive note. I know exactly how I'll end it on a positive note. I do have a solution. If we take control of our local communities, because we own them, they're ours. We paid for them. We own them. It doesn't matter. Elections don't matter. They stole the elections. They're criminals. Maybe you live in a community that's all good. Maybe your, your city council are good guys. That's great. 
good. Then, you know, you can still become active. You can still keep a watchful eye and make sure that none of the creeps get in. But let's say you live in a town where you do have a bunch of rotten globalist Satanists on your city council. Well, there's nothing stopping the community from getting rid of those people. And you don't have to do it violently. You just have to because they're in the wrong and you're in the right. Like I said, you paid for it. You're paying their salaries. You own the place. And if there's enough of you showing up at your city council meetings or your county or wherever, and you demand their resignations, then you leave them no alternative. And I'm not saying their only alternative is to step down. They also have the alternative to sick their police thugs on you and, uh, and get violent. And if so, so be it. Let them start it. I wrote a report last week that I ended up not doing because I don't think it's my place because I was kind of doing what I'm doing now. I was kind of telling people, this is how you win. It's going to get violent. The game is the title of the report I did was, uh, whoever draws first loses. And uh, a lot of you knows, know what that means. Uh, if you don't, basically, it's, you know, a lot of you know it from Western movies and samurai movies. You might notice that in, in those movies, when there's a standoff, a duel, the one who draws their weapon first almost always is the one who gets shot. And there's some science behind this. Uh, the physicist Niels Bohr said that your reaction speed is always going to be faster. And so you have the, the one reacting has the advantage. They call it the reactive advantage. And there's also a moral high ground involved in this too. If you're the one strong enough and brave enough to do the right thing peacefully and not get triggered and slip into violence like an emotional baby, then you'll win. I mean, one, you've already won because you're, 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 you haven't gotten emotionally triggered because you've stayed focused. You've stayed courageous and brave. And so you have, your, you have that advantage. You have the advantage of not being emotionally triggered. When you force the enemy into getting emotionally triggered and afraid to where they draw first, you've already won at that point. Not saying it won't get violent, You're, it will get violent, but you now have the advantage and you will win. And that in my, I mean, in my feeble mind, that is the only way we're ever going to get out of this victoriously is, is for people to stop watching it like it's a drama at home, stop complaining about it, start to organize with your neighbors while we can, we're not shut down now. You're allowed to go to church. You're allowed to go to, to your community, whatever. You're allowed to hang out with your community. Get to know them. Organize meetings. Get as many people there as possible and start going to your city council. Start to get to know who's on your city council. Start to figure out what they're up to. And if you know they're up to no good, then just demand they go home and never come to work. And you replace them. You vote in your own city council. And you just start taking control of your communities. And then from there, you spread out. I mean, in my feeble mind, that's the only way I see this working. Without, you know, 
<clears throat> no, that's it. That's the only way I see it working. So to end on a positive note, that is happening. That's already happening. I did a report on it about uh, AmericanCentury21.com where they had success in, I think it was Montana. And uh, I've got a lot of positive comments of people starting to do this. And... We also see a lot of court cases being won in the background. And we still see some court victories and legal victories with the election, slowly but surely. And we're obviously not going to hear about much of this. and We're not going to hear about any of this in the news. And it's like I can hardly even get good alternative media on the internet these days. So it's like, we don't really know exactly what's going on. So there could be a lot. I mean, I mean, you can't sit back and, and just expect other people are going to do it, but there are other people doing things. And honestly, if we can, if we can have an honest election, which is possible, if we can have an honest election, then we can start turning this around, but then we need to elect the right people. We can't be electing like Dr. Oz is, and, uh, you know, clowns like that. We can't have any more, uh, you know, eye patch one eyes. I can't think of his name, but you know, I'm talking about liars and cheats. We need to get active. We need to care. We need to start giving a crap about leaving this place in a better state than it was when we got here. And that's, that's fairly easy because anyone alive right now, we all showed up in a real crappy, crappy system. So it's not that hard for us to leave it better than it was, but we're going to have to start doing it now. So that's my positive note. I hope I, uh, I hope I wasn't too opinionated or, um, you know, triggering to anyone. I love you guys. If any of you guys, I, I get some comments, a lot of people saying that you guys enjoy hearing me talk because we're, we are on the same page. And I hope that's true, and, you know, because it's like it's important to, to reach out to one another. It's important to hear that. I wish I had more of it, you know. I could have, um, I could definitely benefit in my life by having more of a community of my own. You know, but I'm very busy and, and uh, I move around so often. It's it's not often I get to like get to know people in my community. So and I don't want to cry about myself, <laughs> but, you know, we all need that. So. So thanks for joining me and I hope I hope you guys are all doing well. I hope you guys are, are getting through this. OK, I hope you have stocked up on storable foods. No matter if you get them from, you know, in store or anywhere. Honestly, I've done both. What I do a lot is I stock up on every time I go to the store, I'll get like some dried goods, you know, beans, rice, quinoa. What I do is I stick to superfoods that I can sprout. You know, I imagine the worst case scenario. And so all in what I'm trying to do is, is I don't I'm trying to get storable foods that I don't even need to cook. And the sprouted uh, beans and sprouted uh, seeds are like superfoods that you can live off of. And all you need is water and a jar and a strainer. Easy peasy. But I hope you're, I hope you're getting ready because it's, it's not going 
It's going to get a lot worse. Best case scenario, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. I think we all know that by now. I think we're all well aware of that by now. So I love you guys. It's really, it really is about that. It's about love. It's about our, it's about, it's not about selfishness. It's not about looking out for number one. It's about loving each other. It's about, I don't have kids. If you have kids, man, I just, I just want a world that where your kids can grow up in a decent world where all of our children can grow up and have a chance to live their life with freedom and independence so that we can follow our inner voice and follow our calling and, and realize our purpose because that is how the most incredible innovations and whether it be uh, innovations that make our lives easier, make our lives better, or just simply beautiful art that inspires us, those all happen from the individual soul period. None of that has ever happened from committee. So that's what it's all about. Protecting the family so that you can protect the individual freedom, natural law, bill of rights. It's all good. You know what I'm saying? I love you guys and I will see you next week.